well, when do kids start asking me about money? It's somewhere around three, four, or five. That means there's something already happening inside their heads and their hearts related to, to money. From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Podcast, the show about financial education opportunities all around us and practical financial tips right in front of us. I'm your host, Todd Christensen, and on today's show, I speak with the author of It's a Habit, Sammy Rabbit, all about the money lessons children can learn from very early on. Hang on to your carrots, because it's going to be Sammy-rific. I first met Sam X. Rennick, the award-winning children's author and financial educator back in the late 2000s at a financial education conference. He impressed me with his passion for making it easy to teach kids great money habits and with the path he had chosen for this mission of his. It's my pleasure to welcome Sam X. Rennick back to the Money Fit Podcast. Hey, Sam. Hey, Todd. Thank you for having me. It's Sammy Riffick to be here. It is always Sammy Riffick to have you. <laughs> so as you know, we begin each episode pulling something out of our bank of standard questions. You all set? I'm set. Okay. Now, I've been very open in my classes and my courses and, and on this podcast about my own learning experiences as a young adult. Uh, what about you? What would you have done differently when you, with your finances in your younger years? Todd, you know, I've thought a lot about that uh, question and uh, really not that much in my younger years. You know, I was fortunate in a lot of ways. One, say, in my real young years growing up, my, it seems like the moment I was born, my dad was talking to me about, you know, making good financial choices. And so one of the smartest things I did when I was 21 mm -hmm. and had just graduated from Loyola Marymount uh, University, I happened to go to work for a Fortune 100 company and they had automatic investing and savings plans. And I put a third of what I made away from oh, day wow. one yeah from day one into those programs and i put myself on a budget and you know that was like the greatest thing and it helped me avoid one heck of a lot of uh mistakes and so mm -hmm. i'm pretty pleased about that part of my uh <laughs> financial <laughs> personal great. financial life and to be able to do that in la too uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I didn't realize that until about, uh, say maybe 15 years later, I spent about 12 or 13 years in aerospace in two major corporations. And then I went on my own into financial services and I was doing a little bit of financial consulting. And that's where I started talking to people about the choices they were making. And that's where I kind of discovered what it is you're saying you know, about L.A. and really about people all over. But it may be a little crazier in L.A. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So now I recognize there is a no one answer to this question for every family. But when it when it comes to the best time to start teaching our children about money, we had this conversation in a previous episode. But where might we find a happy medium between reading reading them the Wall Street Journal maybe, you know, in utero, almost like we talked about uh, previously, and waiting until the afternoon that they head off to college. 
that's absolutely way too late. I mean, where where do we start? Where were some good places to start opportunities to start when they're young? Okay, great question, Todd. First, there are no happy mediums. Mm. Right? <laughs> you need to start this conversation. It doesn't have to be with the Wall Street Journal. That's the good news. Before kids are six or seven years old. And here's the reason why. The research is showing that their habits as adults are already set by this age. And I think there's a lot of anecdotal evidence to support this. And by anecdotal mm -hmm. evidence, I mean, start talking to your kids if you aren't already. I'm sure parents don't even have to do this because what if when they stop and think about this, some of the things you, you might stop and think about is, well, when do kids start asking me about money? It's somewhere right. around three, four, or five. That means there's something already happening inside their heads and their hearts related to, to money, something uh, you referred to the last time we, we talked. They're developing a relationship with money, and there is an overwhelming chance that that relationship is all about spending, and it, mm -hmm. isn't, it isn't smart spending. It's spend everything we have, everything right. the neighbors have, and let's do it today, right now. Nothing spending could... brings springs momentary joy, I guess, or happiness. I don't know. Okay, they're making that connection. So absolutely, they, yeah. And when so I, I, I to, to your point, I I think by about one years old, one year olds already. Uh, I remember reading a study. I I can't quote it, but about the time they're one years old, they already know that at the store there's an exchange going on. Mm. Whether it's cash for, for something that they want, cash for candy, cash for toys, or whether it's uh, uh, swiping a card of some sort. So All right. That's finance. Yes. You just reminded me of something. And this was like something that uh, a principal at an elementary school shared with me the first time I read my book. And then it was uh, just a draft of the book to uh, it was either first or second graders. When the experience was over, she invited me to the principal's office, and I'm not sure why she shared with this with me, but she did, and she said, you want to avoid this mistake. It's one of the biggest mistakes parents make, and that is underestimating their kids' ability to grasp and understand concepts. She said that if mm -hmm. you're able to explain it, they will get it. Their minds are like sponges. They grasp it up, and I would just add to that. Don't be looking as a check whether or not they can articulate what it is they understand. Just rely on the fact that they're soaking it up just as you described this one-year-old is doing. Uh, and so I, I, my experience now in this at 20 years tells me that that is right on the money. So this is when you have to, to grab them. You don't have to overdo it. You need to just start planting and building a foundation incrementally so that you are consciously shaping their thinking, their attitude, their habits, their feelings with respect to this thing that we call money uh, versus yourself doing it unconsciously or outside forces doing it for you in calculating thinking and values that you don't necessarily agree with. Outside forces like being you know, advertisers or things mm -hmm. of that nature, or maybe it's well-meaning other family members or, or whoever, whoever it is. So you've, you've mentioned in this episode and in the previous episode, you've mentioned the importance of, of not requiring or not uh, of the parent or the adult articulating 
themselves using language to talk about money, but not requiring that back, just being there to talk about it. Can you can you tell me a little more about that? I mean, what 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 is a somebody? What's a parent of a kindergartner might be talking about versus the parents of a ten year old or twelve year old? I would start off with saving. To me, saving is just a, a tremendously valuable skill to acquire. And there really isn't any reason why kids can't start saving immediately, whether it's pennies, nickels, dimes, what, what, whatever it is. There's a lot of power in pennies. There's even more power in making a habit of uh, saving. That means doing something, you know, with the pattern re re repetitively and pennies are really good at that, but it could be nickels, dimes, whatever is, whatever is appropriate. Now, when you think about saving, this is why I'm such a champion of saving. Saving beyond, let's just say, the personal finance benefits, what it teaches is it teaches delayed gratification. It teaches discipline. It instills discipline. It teaches goal setting. It helps uh, a person. Now this is going into the personal finance. Avoid. Mm -hmm. it, it gives them time to th think more about their spending uh, choices. So it has a lot of value. When you just think about this whole idea of learning to delay gratification. That's a transferable skill you can use in any endeavor and almost any study you're going to reach uh, read about success. Uh, one of the qualities uh, almost everybody has, if they've had some measure of sustainable success, they understand how to delay gratification. And so that's something you get out of learning to save. Now, mm -hmm. uh, moving on, say a 10-year-old, especially if you've laid the foundation for uh, saving, they might be ready for lessons on investing. They might be ready for that even earlier than uh, age uh, seven. Uh, you get into choice making. Now you can teach that at five or 10. There's levels to all of these. And mm -hmm. in, in all of these topics, there may be endless <laughs> numbers of, of uh, levels. Mm -hmm. You might get into something, you know, and I'm just talking now, say with the 10 year old, you know, the basic concepts uh, you know, related to a risk and reward, things of that nature. You might get into that even earlier. So maybe you're just getting into it in a, uh, a little more depth at that uh, point. So education, when it's done well, you're, you're going to be doing it from cradle to grave, always be learning. New things are happening and you're going to be, you're going to be layering and, and building. And if you're not layering or building, you're going to be refreshing. You know, we all need reminders of whatever our core principles, beliefs are, and we're going to be tested. Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> we live in a free market society where uh, we're being marketed to from birth and even before birth, constantly throughout the day <laughs> yes yeah and and just because a parent makes a mistake doesn't mean they are no longer ready or shouldn't be teaching children about money they, they, some might feel well, i'm a hypocrite if i'm if i'm trying to teach them about money i'm not good with it myself oh my goodness this is a wonderful point uh we need to eliminate first let me just say the, the world is not perfect think of it like a sports team if you're winning six you know out of ten days you're doing a great job, all right? <laughs> true. You fall off your bicycle, get back on it. And let me just say this, whether you're, of course, it would be better if you're implementing the philosophies, the principles that you're teaching your child. 
that that's more ideal, but we are not in an ideal world or ideal circumstances. So even if you're not doing it yourself, do not give in to the psychologies of a hypocrite, give priority to what is going to serve my child best. So give them the information, give them the philosophy. If you're able to help inspire and motivate them to develop the habit and the principle, whether you're doing it or not, they will eventually sort it out for themselves. And I'll give you a real life example. And I know this is happening all the time. Mm -hmm. My parents were both smokers, but their policy for us was, we do not want you smoking. And Mm -hmm. they were, and they were telling us as they were puffing away. Right. Right. (laughs) And, And let me share this with you. I think only one of four of us became a smoker and then he stopped uh, smoking. So you still might have good results, but if you don't put the messaging out there, then uh, your kids are at the mercy of, you know, external forces and the vast majority, maybe as much as 99% of those forces are related to consuming, over-consuming or not consuming smartly. Good. Okay, now I just want to touch at the end of our conversation here on a, t- on a word that you have used multiple times in this episode and a previous, and that's habits. I mean, it's a habit, Sammy Rabbit. The, the, I mean, that's what it's all, Sammy's all about. I, I was listening to uh, another podcast. I love uh, Hidden Brain and uh, had a, a, a professor from uh, USC down your way Wendy Wood, who talked about the power of habits and how they are much more important than even our willpower. And so what kind of habits, what are, what, could you name a habit or two or three that, that we could help our children get into? All right. You hit the nail on the head, Todd, for Sammy Rabbit. Habit formation is central Mm -hmm. to Sammy Rabbit. That's one of the things that distinguishes our efforts from many others in our resources, our storybooks, our songs, uh, quite frequently, maybe 80, 90%, I don't know the exact percentage, you're going to see things like saving is a great habit, planning is a great habit, goal setting is a great habit, Mm -hmm. spending smart is a great habit, giving wisely is a great habit, because we believe what you shared, Wendy, uh, just shared that, look, we're, we're, as creatures, we're filled with muscles and muscle memory and that's what habits are Mm -hmm. and so and then also when you have the right habits they're very time efficient you know habits are things we do automatically so we don't have to think 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 about we have to spend an hour uh, making another decision precisely so they serve us in a lot of uh different ways habits are powerful this is one of our teachings here's one reason why they're powerful is because they have predictable outcomes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we know if we save and invest, our savings and investments probably are going to grow, which means our financial freedom, stability, and security is going to grow. We know if we exercise regularly, our health is going to improve. That is predictable. We know if we practice bad habits, the same thing, we're going to have bad outcomes. So, you know, it gives people, something I've noticed about a lot of people is, is uh, they like to have this feeling of being in control. Mm -hmm. And so, Choose the right habits, and it's going to give you more control over your time, your energy, over your finances, you know, uh, everything. So habits are uh, habits are critical. Perfect. Here's the last question I ask at each end of uh, end of each of our episodes. 
What's one practical step or piece of advice you would recommend to our listeners today? All right, I'm going to give you a different one than I gave you the last time we talked. This is something I did that it still brings joy uh, Mm -hmm. to me thinking that I actually did this. So one of the things I shared with you in our last episode is that the moment I started working professionally was at 21 is I put about a third of what I made uh, away into automatic saving and investing plan. In year two, I happened to get like a 5% bump. I took 50%, 50% of that bump and put that, added that to the one third of what I was making. So I accelerated my program and it was on this theory, Todd, you know, part, part of that was going to go to taxes. The other part I used to increase my standard of living, but I, I was already fine or figured out how to live on less. So it was a, an increase in my standard of living. I didn't have to go to the full full amount. So by taking that 50%, I was accelerating my financial freedom, my financial stability, my financial security. So I recommend that to, to everybody. Yeah, that sounds, it takes us back to the idea of uh, delayed gratification as well, so that you being patient and taking uh, yeah, care of your future self. Excellent. Exactly. Thank you. Well, Sam, how can uh, my listeners connect with you online? This is a 100% sure way to do it, Todd. Go to sammyrabbit.com, S-A-M-M-Y-R-A-B-B-I-T.com, sammyrabbit.com. Excellent. Well, Sam X. Rennick, thank you for your time with us today and for sharing some great information for parents and others. Uh, For my listeners, thank you for joining me. We appreciate your support and uh, would ask that you uh, check out some other of our episodes at moneyfit.org slash podcasts. Until the next time, please stay money fit and stay well. Mm